This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den Podcast. We are right in the thick of all-star break, but we're not taking a break because that's not what we do here. We've got a full crew. Kraft is in the house. Hello, hello. Tyus is over there. Happy to be here. Can't wait. BD, what's up? Hey, guys. We, um, since we last felt spoke. That. I felt that. Since we last spoke, we've had an all-star game played and a couple other notable items that have come out, but we are going to bring you a packed episode today, and uh, the the main thing we're going to focus on is looking ahead. Uh, what what do we have left in the regular season as we project out to the playoffs? How are vibes? How are we feeling? And we can look at, at you know, breaking down a little bit of the schedule as well, but let's start with the All-Star game. Ty, you said you watched the All-Star game, correct? Uh, yeah, most of it. What did you think about like the level the of play in the All-Star game? I mean, it was bad. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't have really great expectations for it to be awesome. I will say I feel like the last several years, like the last like five minutes of the game have been pretty fun and competitive. Um, and this year it was... I saw where people said, like, the Elam ending is so awesome, but this year it just resulted in Dame taking half-court shots until he hit one. Uh, so it was just kind of pointless. Um, it was really bad. Uh, you even had, like, uh, the Denver coach, Mike Malone, was like, this is the worst, like, presentation of basketball I've ever been a part of, pretty much. Um, some players even came out and kind of mentioned it, too, about how it was just, like, really bad. Um, and I agree with them. It was pretty tough. So, do you think that's a problem? Like, does the NBA have an All Star Game problem, or do you think that it's kind of whatever? So, uh, I don't know about that. Um, but one thought I did have is like the fans have a pretty big, not you know, relatively big, you know, portion of the voting process for starters. So to me, it was really interesting about like why did Jaw get voted in because he's like super fun. But if he's not gonna be anywhere close to Jaw in the All Star game, 
I wonder if fans are like, well, he's not doing anything. He's not like he he tried a cool dunk. He did a 360, which was fun, but like that was it. So that was one kind of thing I thought of is I wonder if fans, when they're going to select starters, will err on that. I'm not really sure what that looks like, but I was like, they're voting in all these guys because they're fun. Like if you even why Giannis picked Ja is because he's electrifying, he's most fun, and then. I'm not faulting Ja, like no one, I don't blame him for going out there and just hanging out, but it's just, I thought that was kind of interesting. Brantley, what do you think about the all-star draft? Did you see it live at all? Did you see the the way in which they like presented it? I didn't see the all-star draft. I'm, I sort of of the opinion that it's just cool for them to just change it up every year or two, just to like do something different because whatever. I mean, Guys, the duck contest was awesome, though. Yeah. McClung, he was incredible. Yeah. Like, so that in and of itself, sort of, I just feel like you need like one or the All-Star Weekend is about having like two things that sort of like are above average, maybe, or just average to above average. And I would say we got one based on what I was paying attention to. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Having the interesting thing is, I think I think I mentioned this on the podcast before. I went to the All Star Game when I was in the third grade to the year was nineteen ninety seven. It was in San Antonio. Some of the maybe most elite All Star jerseys of all time. And um, you know, as a third grader, you you don't really care how good the game is, right? You're just there to for the fanfare and just to see everybody on the court at the same time. I would be really curious to hear of the people that were in the arena. Did they really, do you really care? It's kind of quasi entertaining. You're just seeing a bunch of people on the court. It's, it's not a very fun viewership like from the TV screen. But in the arena, I would imagine it's, it's so awesome. I mean, you're doing all the stuff leading up to it and yeah. Kraft, did you like the first Post Malone song or the second one better? <laughs> oh, big Post both, Malone big, guy. Big Post Malone guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, now, I mean, it's funny that it. what's weird. So I actually, I think, like sort of not paying attention on the weekend, but sort of following it through Twitter and Instagram uh, from different media people. Like that's fun. And sort of like all the brands and marketing and all that stuff I think is fun. I think what's hard is it's all pointed when the game sucks, it kind of makes everything else seem sort of like superfluous and like whatever. And the, including the draft. So I actually, you know, I, I find it very like the part of the draft that I find interesting is like how people, where people are selected. And, um, you know, a couple of the fun things was like Jokic not going till the very last and even sort of walking up to make sure he didn't get picked last because I think, uh, he realized that LeBron might pick Lori Markin in front of him just because he's the hometown Utah jazz guy and, and then other little things like LeBron got to dig in on Giannis cause Giannis had previously made Giannis earlier had talked about, uh, how he loved Dwayne Wade was loyal to his city, uh, and stayed and won a championship. And that's what he wanted. That's what he liked that he did in Milwaukee that he stayed. And so then when he did pick drew holiday first, LeBron pointed out that, that he thought Giannis was about loyalty. So that was like a little interesting little, little digs there and stuff like that. But then when the, when nobody cares about the game, then it, then the draft stops mattering. Like it would matter if, Oh, I'm really angry. I got picked fourth instead of second. 
I'm going to go out there and show everybody. And so I don't, I think the hard part is safety is just a big deal to everybody. And it's weird to me because I know that they play all those guys or a lot of them play with each other, pick up in the summer. And while I know they don't go all out, I am sure they play harder than they do in that all-star game. And, uh, but I do think LeBron kind of messing his finger up in this, in the second quarter. I think that, I mean, when that happened, uh, just kind of, you know, I just kind of felt like, oh, now nobody's going to play. Like, nobody's going to do anything now. You needed someone really saying, like, all right, let's turn it up. I feel like the past couple of years you've had, like, Chris Paul, LeBron types that have sort of started getting a little competitive and everybody else kind of matched it. And Tatum was obviously on fire, but he just – he and Jalen went at each other. And that was like, That was sort of cute for, like, 45 seconds. And that was the most competitive thing we saw was them in a one-on-one matchup for three possessions. My biggest question out of All-Star was, well, okay, I, I didn't love seeing that Ja was one of the ones that was just absolutely coasting. I mean, he had his whole Mount 12 ski expo two blocks down. I feel like the Thursday of All-Star Weekend or the Friday, whichever day that was revealed, was kind of like his whole thing while he was there. And the rest of it, I mean, I don't even know if they showed him on Saturday. I don't know if he was there, which is fine. Nobody, no Grizzly was like participating. I'm sure he would have been there if they were. And then in the game, I think he had like six points and uh, didn't really have an impact. Not that anybody had a huge impact on a game where nobody's playing defense, but... I thought that was interesting because he is an electrifying player. Now, the big story to me is he is obviously a guy that could bring the dunk contest test back for real if he decided to participate. Like, Mac McClung made it fun, but, like, if Ja Morant decided to go in the dunk contest, like, I think he would revolutionize it for this generation of players. But I think he's already said, if I'm not mistaken, that he is never going to do it. And he, quote unquote, you're saying? Well, he said he would do it for two million. Oh, that's right. That's right. So the prize pot right now is a hundred grand. Right. Exactly. So, which apparently is just as much as Mac McCormick has has made in his whole career, which is nuts. But um, I don't know. I I think I think All Star is is going to turn into something that might not be cool for people because the generation of players that like LeBron is sort of a carryover from a generation that used to care. But at the same time, the NBA seems as if they have all-star weekends scheduled. It's right after football. They're not competing with anything. And they have these huge conferences where they're revealing all this new technology, all of these expos, like the Nike thing, Tatum coming out with his Jordan shoe, trying to showcase that. Like, it seems to me it's become more of like a conference with basketball on the side and if that's what the NBA wants, interesting. Uh, but I, I'm I'm intrigued by the ultimate aim and whether the NBA is disappointed after a weekend like this or if they're excited. I did sort of – I know that the dates of the um, sort of midseason tournament thing have had various rumors of when it would happen, but when – you were talking right now. I did sort of wonder if they would try a midseason tournament in a year or two during the All Star window or something, 
just to like see if they could get competition up. I mean, it, or maybe like they bump it up a little bit earlier where it's true midseason or a little leading into midseason. Cause then you could still have the conference. You would have everybody in one spot. You would bring a ton of people in to see it. You could still have all of this media scenarios and then you would have games that matter. That kind of gets into the, like, if you, I mean, AAU has been around for such a long time, but this just feels like the pure AAU generation to me of players. And they would, I feel like be more the, this generation of player would be more accustomed to that style of thing versus an all-star game. You know, I think, I don't think you'd have to worry about job ja being competitive if the Grizzlies were in a play in a tournament. Yeah. That meant something. Yeah, that's true. I wonder how much they would, or how, how it would have to change from an incentive perspective to have like them missing the time off. Cause I'm sure that, I mean, Bain I know has been in Miami or whatever and the rest of the players too are having a break. So I don't know. It's just an interesting event overall. And I'm, int- I'm very intrigued to see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, I, and I like kind of, I think one of the hard parts is, I mean, we've seen the NFL, the pro ball, the pro bowl is basically already, they've basically got rid of it and and it's really just become kind of a conference with some skills stuff and kind of a celebration of the season, but really doesn't matter. The game itself, nobody cares about it. Um, and it's just a hard place because I think like, like old school, old heads, you know, hate it because there's no competition. It's a chance for all the, all the older media people, all the older players to crap on all the younger players. And then the hard part is for younger guys, like somebody like my son, like he doesn't, he sees all the awesome highlights from all these guys on his phone all the time. And it's just so different from me, you know, growing up when I was a kid in like the late eighties, early nineties. And it's like, Oh, here's my chance to see these people. I maybe see on like NBA, you know, uh, NBA inside stuff, or I see on these like bloopers and slam dunk things, but I don't get to see them all the time. Whereas now it's like, you know, um, for Jaw to do an awesome dunk in the All-Star game is great. But he does awesome dunks in games against real competition, and that's just more exciting. And so, I don't know. It's just like a harder thing. It, I just, you know, it's for me, sometimes I just wonder if it's just past its prime. Like, it just, it's just not something that, that can kind of be saved in this, a sense. Yeah. And that's why I, th- I actually do love that thought of figuring out how to put this midseason tournament connect that somehow or just have it be real game somehow with a conference because I think the conference part's cool and the marketing stuff and that's all fun. But if, if it's all around a game that doesn't matter, it feels weird. And the, the other component generationally, like just mentioning your son, like we didn't grow up where the access you were saying like technology access, but also the NBA just being completely open with all of their content that the this is a residual effect of you know access to everything watching the entire game and clips at seven minutes you know all the types of things all the highlights you know the technology too but also just the ability to see everything so there is a, a need to maybe change it up if that continues to be the case which i would think they would not backtrack that content strategy i have an idea what if the world was able to put together their all-stars like non NBA all-stars. And then you had the all-star team from the NBA play whatever team that I don't know, FIBA would put together. That's like non NBA players. And it's actually a, I don't know, international type event. I think that would be cool too. 
I, I personally too, like the dunk contest, for example, like I would be just, I would be almost more entertained seeing just dunkers that were famous come and like compete against each other instead of necessarily having it have to be NBA guys. Cause you've seen the turnout of like Jericho Sims and Trey Murphy and Kenyon Martin Jr. are like your big three. And then you have to call a guy up from the G League who ended up being a great story, but like, I don't know. So a three-point contest is always number one to me every time. You can't fail. Who won the skills contest? I don't even know. I mean, they had like a three-person team, and they were all competing against oh, each the other. the team is so weird. It was, they still did that again? This yeah. It's like an obstacle course. The dumbest thing. It was like, yeah, it's like the Antetokounmpo brothers had a team, except for Drew Holiday had to sub in for Giannis because apparently he has a screwed-up right thumb or something. Um, anyway, it's just a fa- fascinating business topic, too. Um, but some other news that we actually heard um, just a couple hours after the weekend update episode was recorded was Jaron Jackson Jr. elected to an NBA Players Association vice president seat. Uh, the Players Association, if you don't know, is the entity that negotiates with the NBA uh, on labor rights. And we're, we're having a CBA negotiation right now. They've continued to push the deadline and... I believe the next deadline they've decided on is March 31st in order to have a CBA in place and agreed upon. Yeah. And they, they're talking big like that is it. Like they're not going to push it back anymore. Yeah. And so players like Jaron and others like CJ McCollum, for example, is the president. You've then got the next level is like the first vice president and that's Grant Williams. Um, and then you <laughs> Harrison Barnes is the secretary treasury or treasurer, just in case y'all wanted to know. And then underneath that, there are six vice presidents. So Bismack Biombo, Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Donovan Mitchell, Garrett Temple, and Jaron Jackson Jr. are are the VPs. I can't remember how long the term is. It's either like four or six years, I believe. Um, but how cool was it to see a Grizzlies player, especially a guy like Jaron, who grew up uh, with his mom being the head of the WNBA Players Association. So he's been involved um, from a family standpoint, and is going to be representing the players in very big conversations moving forward with a lot of um, a lot of hot topics going on from like a player labor standpoint um, and the questions there. Craft, uh, you were mentioning something cool about like how this came to be. Yeah, so one of the cool stories that's been kind of been passing around a couple shows and 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 uh, online is that Stephen Adams. Um, who we hope to see soon back, uh, you know, rehabbing the knee, but that he, uh, you know, not being part of the all-star festivities at all in any way, flew up to Salt Lake City for the kind of nomination vote process Saturday morning to nominate Jaron. And that was basically the reason he flew up there. Like he obviously wanted to be there and like support John Jaron and, uh, and Junior too. Uh, that was up there, but that was his reasoning for going up there was he wanted to nominate Jaron. And apparently uh, from, you know, listening to people, he stood up and basically nominated Jaron and then made this speech about why Jaron should be the vice president. And it apparently like won the room, like basically was very persuasive about why Jaron, they, why he and they should have Jaron represent them. And I just think that's very cool. Um, you know, we always talk about the vibe and culture, but I think that's just a really cool thing for an NBA veteran who's been around for a while, who knows a lot of um, 
who's had a lot of teammates who've been part of this for him to stand up and say, Jaron, even though he's really young, um, you know, only 23 that we need this guy for the next three, four years to represent. I think it's pretty cool. I thought it was so cool because you have to have a certain level of care in order to even be willing to do something like this because it involves stepping outside of your current uh, role as a player and almost think about the whole. And so having a Grizzlies representative to me just on its face is awesome. But to have Jaron, who I think has been a guy who first time all-star, you know, has battled through injuries, weren't and he also was part of a really interesting contract negotiation and so has been he has his his feet I feel like in both sides where he can relate to the young guy can also I mean he's been around enough to be a vet and so I I thought it was awesome yeah to see and, it. and honestly I mean I just think the biggest takeaway and and so I can get my dig in you know when Luka Doncic is basically saying I don't even want to go to the all-star game I'm just mad I'm not in Mexico when he was like literally saying that right before the all-star game he's just mad to be there he'd rather be in Mexico to have Steven Adams not be in Mexico but fly up to Salt Lake City and go to a meeting at like eight o'clock on a Saturday morning to nominate a teammates I just think shows what kind of guy Steven Adams is too so yeah um y'all have any thoughts on that I just feel like that there are moments happening right now where it feels like torches are being passed ish, you know, like it just, when you, when you think about the stuff that's happening with John ja Nike, this type of scenario with Jaron and like, not to make too big of a deal out of like the NBA PA thing, but it is the first time, I, like what you said, right? It's the first time a Grizzlies ever held the position. I was I trying to so. go back and look and, and validate that statement. But also just you you have a mixture of old and young guys. I, I, for Jaron, man, this just feels like – I don't know how often they meet, but it just feels like he's going to be around other veteran players. And I would hope it could – there can be some wisdom parted onto him and it translates into on-court production. You know, I mean, there's just – Maybe I'm maybe I'm reaching with that statement, but I just feel like there's a chance that he has an impact for the players, and also it impacts him on the court, just in terms of who he's being surrounded by outside of the organization. That type of exposure is awesome. And to piggyback off that a little bit, like his role in the locker room, right? Like everyone keeps saying. Memphis, they just need some veterans. They need some vets. They need some vets. Like, Stephen Adams, to your point, Kraft, that's like the most veteran move of all time, like when you respect your young teammate enough to do that. But also, I know it's kind of been sad. Like, if you listen to the Bain interview with J.J. Redick, he basically just says Jaron is kind of quiet, right, kind of to himself a little bit, especially on the court. But maybe this – Again, you were kind of speaking on the comfort zone. Like, maybe Jaron's going to be kind of pushed to his – you know, he's going to have to stand up and speak his mind um, in front of NBA-proven veterans in the league. And to be only 23 years old and to be put in that position, um, if you just look at Jaron's career arc, it's kind of interesting too. Like, we drafted number four overall. He played a year with Mark and Mike. So he wasn't like the face, right? Because we kind of still had faces, right? Like Mark was a face of the franchise. So was Mike. And, and we had Dylan. So we you had know, Dylan. Face of the franchise. It's like right when they leave, 
Jaron was almost like given the opportunity to be the face, in comes Ja like immediately, right? So it's like Jaron's never really been like the peak of our franchise in my mind. Maybe y'all would disagree, maybe others would too, but there's always been like someone else to look to, right? To like carry the torch kind of thing. Um, and they've, and it's kind of cool that Jaron's seen it done very differently, right? Like I'm sure Jaw is a much different leader than like Mike was. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool to see that too. And I, that's my biggest hope is that he kind of learns a little bit more and how to incorporate that into the locker room and to be that type of, again, young veteran presence, um, on a really young team. So. That's kind of what I'm looking, looking or hoping for. So maybe uh, the NBA officials will also have one more notch of respect that they can add to his belt. Yeah, I mean to, to you know, it's funny to listen to that because you know one of the funny things, one of the sound bites coming out was they were asking uh, somebody asked Jaron about who he would like, who would if he had kids, who what player, um, you know, would he never let babysit his kids? And he was basically like, well, Junior. Cause I have to babysit him. And of course I'm sitting here like, what are you talking Like Jared, you're, you need to be babysat. You're only 23. But I think it speaks to that. Like hopefully him sort of starting to take that sort of leadership role with the younger guys on the team for sure. All right. So last basketball or excuse me, non-basketball, but sort of basketball topic. Uh, if you haven't listened to the weekend update episode from this past weekend, you should because Kraft and I, kind of did a deep dive into the whole regional sports network situation that's going on right now where uh, there was a debt, debt payment missed by the the group that owns Bally Sports. They are uh, preliminarily undergoing a potential bankruptcy that could put the future of the regional sports network in jeopardy for all the teams that they currently um, broadcast, which is... I can't remember the number, but it was, you know, about a third of the league. Yeah, I it's believe. a third of the league. And Mostly you, small market. Yeah, it's fifth, if you count MLB and National Hockey League, it's 58 sports franchises. Yeah. So we went through a few different contingencies that could happen moving forward, uh, one of which was the NBA could decide to consolidate these teams under their league pass umbrella and basically go direct to consumer. And get rid um, of the blackout. And get rid of the blackout so you can, if you buy a league pass for your team, you have access without any restriction um, on location. We talked about how there's going to be this new media rights uh, deal coming up in about a year or two. And you could see outside bidders that haven't been here before, like Apple, Amazon, other streamers come in and bid. And then also NBC potentially making a return bid. To, to broadcast the NBA again. And we were saying, you know, the upside is probably more money in that way, but downside is it would be a lot harder to find the Grizzlies on a given night. My thing, and we briefly touched on it with Grind City Media, I'm going to go ahead and put a take out there that the Grizzlies consolidate their broadcasting under Grind City Media. Like, I think the writing could potentially be on the wall with how they're sharing for instance, Chris Vernon with the broadcast under Bally Sports. You'll see Michael Wallace also in Lang Whitaker after games at the post game. You'll see Jessica Benson on the radio, but also on TV sometimes. Like they have so many shared people who are uh, under contract with all these companies. Now, 
the the challenge of that would be broadcasting games for real live on TV takes a huge production team. And so that would be a, a complete overhaul. And I'm not saying like it could happen overnight, but I just think the Grizzlies, and also, by the way, you are then every bit of advertising revenue would be immediately on the books of the Grizzlies at that point as income. So you don't have to deal with that. And, and we look at the commercials on Bally right now. It's like every other commercial is a Grind City or yeah, Grind City Media commercial anyway. I just think we could, and I also looked back in like 2016, I saw this article about Wexler, you know, talking about how Grind City Media, he wants it to be the hub of sports and entertainment in the Mid-South one day. And there's no better way to completely catapult your media than to have live sports broadcasted through it. And I think this does this opportunity does not come around all the time. So I don't know how if if it's a year too early for them, just given all that they would have to do to build up a team to potentially like take over this. But I think that they have potential capital with Para who's willing to maybe risk it. I mean, look at the industry he's in. And I think you have a front office who would be willing to bet on themselves with the talent that they have or think they have. We might have our own opinions about that, but um, you just add Brevin and Pete to the fold and basically you could outsource maybe the production and go from there. You already have Grind City Media on the Grizzlies app. And so who knows what could what that could look like. That's my theory. Do you think that they can um, buy the individual right of the games? Like is the NBA even going to allow that to happen? So I think it would have to be in conjunction with the league uh, about basically – because I don't know who the creditor is of Diamond Sports Group, who would technically own the rights after this, but my guess is that the NBA is going to be stepping in and basically and and talking to because the, the, these have been sold individually by the teams before. Like they're the, the Grizzlies are the ones who struck the agreement with Bally uh, because they get the share of the revenue net of the expenses each for you know and it like we were saying like. We, we were speculating on the maybe net profit that they get from this particular region, but like the Lakers, they're making like $150 million a year from their specific uh, broadcast partner. So I don't know. Like I just think we need to watch out for it a lot more seriously than we are. Um, it would be very much like this, this groundwork that's been laid now for seven years with Grand City Media. I was shocked to see that it was already been seven years with them um, and how that could look. So... Do we know, um, like, how the hustle games are, are broadcasted? Um, Besides, no. Like John Roser doing that, but, like, <laughs> do you know what the crew involved? Like, that's also kind of heavy grind city. That's a great as call. Well, but it's like talking about production company. Like, who does? I, I mean, I don't know, and I'm sure y'all don't I would either, assume it's, it's supported like a, by the league, by the yeah, NBA. I, yeah, I would think so. Um, I know those games aren't, you know, televised much. Um, but clearly someone's shooting the game, right? Like someone's, you know, there. Yeah. So. The the end game, uh, components is not what worries me about that theory. Um, it's more of the, like the back, the back channel and the distribution of things. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that feels like particularly the technical aspect of like then what it would take to, to build and maintain something that would work 
across, you know, the ecosystem of what your normal direct to consumer person would want. I, 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 so before maybe there's more stuff that comes in, I, I just like what is shocking to me whenever I'm watching league pass and it's obviously it was this way with Bally sports. Um, like just the fact that on Bally sports that you had, you would have minutes of a random hockey player and like swooshing from like, it sounded like a 1995 gateway computer, computer screensaver yes. on your TV. And the fact that all of the, quote unquote ads or ground city media ads is all you need to know that it was like going to fail to begin with. Cause those are very valuable placements. Uh, if Bally had a real advertising network that was part of it, you have this, you have this audience set that is tuned in. That's known that is easy to uh, set up a technical platform in this day and age to allow people to do specific targeting to people directly to their television that's unique and different than any other platform. The NBA, the revenue side of it to me, is easy if they build a technical capability behind it to where it's based, they could maybe integrate it with YouTube TV and, and let YouTube run, have their own ad channels as part of it. And the, the NBA would get their cut. But if the, if the NBA wants its own league pass and were to build a true demand side platform behind it, which means like when that basically means when you watch Hulu and all the ads that you get, Hulu knows everything about you. They know everything you're watching. They know your profile. They know where you live. And all of that data, right, is sold to people like me to go and market to you to sell you shit because that's what I do for a living. The NBA has basically the technical infrastructure there. They have a really uh, sticky audience set that's buying this, this piece, but it's untapped. When you watch League Pass, you're watching the in-arena announcing. It's dumb. Well, it's because you're paying too. The subscription revenue is supposed to like keep you from the ads. So, but you're, I. Uh, but when if you, you do watch, a free version, when you watch NFL Sunday Ticket, you're paying for the game and you still get ads. Yeah, this is a different. This is a premium product, and as a consumer, we I think that you are still. Uh, you should still think I'm getting all these games and I'm still going to see ads because there's breaks and it's normal. It's untapped, and that to me fixes the revenue share. I'd be shocked if the NBA doesn't just like wrap this up into a consolidated component and has a true advertising network that's part of it. If that, if I were running the NBA and I were Adam Silver, I would say this is untapped data and advertising, and we should do this tomorrow. It makes it's really stupid that they have, in my opinion. Do you think that they would drop off? due to like the ratings issues right now in the regular season, if you were to still, let's say, charge people for leak pass, are you saying that they would now potentially have like a freemium version? Like if you were in the NBA talking about this, no freemium, it's just like make it Sunday ticket is essentially, it's a premium product. You pay, you know, like $300 a year for it. So it's similar, but it just basically then you, you get, um, you're tapped into like the local, like in this scenario, the the CBS versions or the Fox versions and all of those ads still, you still see them. And so the NFL on their tech, they have figured out a way to leverage um, just tapping into that as part of their ad distribution. I'm saying make it Hulu, but the NBA, 
like so if you have your you if you figure out sort of the foundational elements how you're going to localize like the broadcasting components and still let certain people do things have the direct to consumer model but make it a true demand side platform where if i'm wanting to watch an uh, nba you know whatever the game is that's my experience and the ad component of it is different than what if i'm tuning into the cable version because the cable version is still going to control their own you know, ad network. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could really nerd out on this cause I love this stuff. Uh, but I mean, that's sort of, you know, what's interesting is because Netflix is moving this way, like Netflix is moving to ads. And one of the points that the people make is Hulu, you know, makes a ton of money. They make more money off their ad, the ad version than they do on the subscription version. Because what they realize is while you, while people pay more to not have ads with Hulu, they make way more money from getting like half of that subscription, but then the money they get from ads. And then especially now with what Brian was talking about, the technology that lets you, that's way better than just broadcast TV where you can actually know what kind, like you can get to a point where you can start to specify the ads you're showing to the people watching, um, you know, because of, because of how they can target people now. And so, but I think what I find interesting about that is I think the NBA would should think about doing that. The problem is, is the Lakers and the Warriors and the Knicks are going to say no because we make $150 million. Like, so the Lakers and the Warriors will say, we make $150 million from our local TV thing. We don't want to get a, like, no. So I do think it's going to be interesting because I think the small markets might have to band together to maybe do this or the NBA. I don't know what's going to happen. I do think it's interesting because I think if Grind City Media to go back to your if they think of it that way and it's i think what's going to be hard is can they themselves do a better job than bally of figuring out the market of how much to how much to ask people to pay what platform you know so like obviously youtube google just bought sunday ticket so people might start getting used to going to to YouTube to watch games and so you might have that. So what platform are they going to use? How much are they going to charge? And then can they do a better job than Bally of actually going out and getting local regional sponsors that really make it like worth more than maybe even they were getting from the Bally deal? Um, because I think the big issue is uh, and I kind of it's almost because I know a lot of the other companies like Comcast the other regional sports networks are struggling too but because they're not in massive debt <laughs> load like like uh you know Sinclair like Diamond Sports Group is you know they haven't gotten there yet but i think that this is the opportunity for the nba to really the nba and local franchises to realize okay this whole you know everybody in a city paying for cable and all giving in for subscriptions even though you know my grandmother's not watching the grizzlies but she's giving a subscription to bally and they're getting ad revenue like that's just gone and so they're not going to ever get that kind of windfall and so how can we get how can we get you know subscription revenue ad revenue and how can we make it easier for new fans and casuals to watch that aren't like us that don't, you know, that all so many of my friends who listen to Grizz Den Pod uh, to get hear about the Grizzlies because they're not going to pay $20 a month, that they'll just watch when we're on national TV. Right. And League Pass is already integrated with YouTube TV. I'd be shocked if you don't see a similar partnership with Google based on that. And, and YouTube TV has the tech on the ad side to integrate with whatever 
the NBA decides to do. So you could still have some sort of sharing model where the big markets are going to have their networks and then they're going to help the, the regional markets have the, the infrastructure for the broadcasting side. But then now they all of a sudden have this tech enabled, you know, uh, from YouTube TV that, that gives you Hulu type capabilities and increases your ad revenue. It's all it should it should be, in my opinion, all about ad revenue. But if if Grind City does do what you're saying, which I love this theory, by the way, uh, I mean that is going to be a pair of floats this for some years. Well, that's what I, for before it really is profitable. That's why I think that's my like. Uh, do would this be an, a far fetched idea objectively? Yeah, well, of course, because something like this has never been done. So, but I think if anybody has the, I don't know, not only the capital, but is is potentially interested in this, because this, I mean, from the start, has been like a para thing that he's supported. And so I just wouldn't be shocked if I saw it. I personally would most likely enjoy the NBA DTC model the most, just because it makes it easier to watch multiple games and you don't have to worry about blackouts anymore. Like, that's the yeah. most annoying thing yeah. with having league pass is having not being able to watch Grizzlies. Right. I mean, one of my worst experiences is uh, going uh, in Birmingham when I'm going to visit family in Birmingham. I can't watch Hawks games. I can't watch Pelicans games. I can't watch Grizzlies games. Yeah. And it's like, so basically you're eliminating six teams from me watching. You know, like, you know, when they're all playing the same night, it's terrible. Yeah. It's a fun theory. I'm sorry that I did. I wasn't trying to shut I'm you not, down. I, and this is an open forum. Yeah. Open. But I, I am also just like, you know, now if like, I'm almost like playing, like if that were to become a thing, we at least have the foundation of some talent to go sort of maybe think about it and the investment all of a sudden you would say you wish this thing wasn't named something Memphis based. You'd reframe it. And then you'd say, we've we'll go run all the poverty, a franchises in the Southeast around us and, and run the Pelicans and run the Hawks version of it. NBA fans. It's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It, um, I think you would see a lot of, um, a, a lot more people involved. Um, but I think Pete and Brevet would be number one to Rob Fisher, who's already in the fold, by the way. So, I don't know. Something to watch. Let's get into the actual basketball. Uh, we have 25 games left. 12 of those are at home. 13 of those are on the road. 19 of them are against Western Conference teams. Ty, what what are vibes like right now in your head? Uh, you were looking down over there, and I just want to check and make sure that, you know, I'm down because still I'm, good. I'm clearly not as smart as y'all about TV 
and rights and whatever that is. Okay, well, before we get started into the schedule, what do you you were making a few comments before we started recording about the trade deadline and like your final kind of few takeaways about that. Like what are we feeling? Sure. There? Um I I mean, I think that's honestly like a part of me is still kind of like bummed uh after the trade deadline. It's like a couple of thoughts I had right afterwards is we clearly tried to go improve the team. Um, not only for this season, but, you know, future seasons. We clearly were very aggressive, according to Kleiman. Um, and still nothing happened, which I think I texted y'all this. My overarching thought is just, like, kind of disheartened. I'm a little discouraged about that. Because I'm like, well, if we couldn't make some deals happen while we were being very aggressive, like, A... How much more aggressive can we be in the future? I don't know because I don't know what all we offered. There, you know, rumors that the Warriors pick in twenty four was not on the table. I don't know, uh, but it does sound like we were really aggressive. One of the more aggressive teams out there, to be honest, and in looking into upgrading our team, and nothing happened, uh, which kind of has me a little concerned about how do we upgrade our team moving forward. And that is probably me just being a prisoner of the moment and being upset that because I just close my eyes and envision Mikel Bridges on this team. And I'm like, oh my gosh, even like, I kind of like cooled on OG once Mikel became a possibility, but even like OG on this team was just like, man, like how awesome would that be? Um, so I think I got like a little bit of a taste of that in my head. And now that it like kind of got ripped away from me, it's kind of like, God, oh, it's kind of a bummer. Also um, kind of looping that in, into this season thoughts, it's like Brantley mentioned this about the summer too, a little bit, but like, does our front office realize that this currently constructed team is not good enough? I would argue that they do after everything that they pushed for in this trade deadline. So part of me thinks if our front office is, and maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but that's kind of the way I took it is that, our front office clearly is like, we will be very aggressive in upgrading this team because this team right now is not good enough to get where we want to be. You know, go back to Kleiman's comments in the summer about we are now a championship like contender. The window is open right now and we will do whatever it takes to capitalize on that. We'll be aggressive when we think we need to and all this kind of stuff. So all, he was right. Like he has proven his point. If we truly did offer four first from Mikel Bridges, three first for OG, like we were aggressive. So part of me is like, A, I'm really bummed that that didn't happen, and how can we truly improve our team moving forward through the trades? Because um, free agency, like what even is free agency anymore in the NBA? Like it's it almost doesn't exist outside of like MLE guys and stuff like that. And then B, like as our currently constructed team, like I don't believe our front office thinks we're good enough to go all the way. And – my fear is that this team is just what we have forever. Um, meaning we re-sign Dylan. Dylan's just our starting three guard because we don't have any other options. We don't have any other routes to go. So a part of me is like we're, again, I'm very much projecting. I'm very much a prisoner of the moment. But I'm kind of like we're locked into this team. This is, our, this is our team moving forward. Like how good can that be? And people that know the team best, in my mind, are saying not good enough. So... 
and y'all may all disagree. I know Kraft is just like swinging at me, left hook. I, but I, I think I, I very much disagree with them not thinking we can win a championship this year. I do, but I agree with that. I think they want to upgrade the team when when it's possible. So I think they still have higher hopes for the team this year. But I do think that they really thought we have an opportunity to make ourselves uh, not just a contender, but like a favorite. Really, I have a question for you. Is there anything the team can do in this 25 games to change your opinion about them going into the playoffs? Or are you skip this next 25? Let's just start in the playoffs. And that's when my evaluation of the team starts. Um, I think that, I sort of feel like this first little stretch, maybe it's this entire stretch. Let's just say this entire stretch where I it feels like there's a there's a balance of games we have to bring it and games that we need to win and stay focused. And I'm really curious to see how the villain Grizzlies uh, get their minds right or if it sort of sunk them this year is is what I sort of think. Because going from this most loved team last year and into the, you know, first half of the, you know, the first quarter of the season to now where we sort of have become this villain-type team uh, by intention, I think, um, I, I think is – I'm skeptical that they're going to prove that they can handle it is, is really what I think. And so to me to show that they can handle it would mean, you know, games against the Sixers and the Nuggets and the Clippers and even the Lakers And this, you know, we're playing the Lakers in this first half, you know, of this, um, you know, the second half of the season where they're trying to win because if they you know keep losing, then they're really out of the playoff hunt, right? So those those games, I know LeBron may be hurt with his hand and may not play, regardless. But I don't know. I just really i i'm I'm really rambling because I think that I'm going to say I don't think that there's anything they can do to prove to they could win a significant amount of these games, and I'm still going to say prove it to me in the playoffs. If they lose them all. Then in this stretch, then I'm sort of proven right already. I feel like, like I won't feel really confident about the playoffs. Where I mean, I'm interested to know um, from Ty and Brantley. So, wh- how were you this way when we were beating the Bucks so bad that that the wave was breaking out in FedEx Forum? Um, and, I was there. It was yes, ridiculous and. The eleven-game win streak before we go to LA, and I guess I'm just saying, like, I think that team still exists, like it's still there, um, and I'm just saying, like, is that is this last stretch since that just really shifted, or were you still kind of wait and see even then, like as far as kind of you know maybe a little bit more pessimistic than you might have been. Um, you know that you then you you are now not to say that you are super pessimistic, but you are just more a little more hesitant. 
I don't know. We all, where were y'all? Like, has it shifted? Has this last patch really shifted y'all? I think it has me. Um, the, I mean, I don't want the Milwaukee game was so fun and it was awesome, but I mean, what's the saying? You have five games that like 10 games a year, five games that you play, you're just, you're automatically going to win. And there's five games a year that you're just automatically going to lose. Like the Bucks game was a single night, right? Like one game, like this stretch has been several weeks. Um, and it's not just that, like, I know people harp on our half court offense. Um, and even like, again, Kleiman mentioned that in the summer of like, that's where we struggled. So that's where we need to improve. How have we improved that? Um, when your wing rotation is shooting like basically under 30% from three, yes, we just traded for Luke Kennard um, to be determined there. But it's like your half – if you can't shoot, you, I feel like your half-court offense is kind of like going to struggle anyway. Like you got to be able to stretch the floor, stretch the defense a little bit. Um, and people have said this, like Ja just driving into three guys and like hoping something happens. Like that's not going to cut it. So to me it's been really discouraging for – weeks now like that one game was awesome the 10 game win streak was awesome I do think we played some bad teams we had a couple good wins in there we beat Sacramento at full strength we beat the Pels that's Brandon Ingham got hurt that game like in the early second quarter or something like that they had Zion though right and we beat them pretty bad um but I don't know it just seems like this last stretch has been really disheartening not only because like of play but like our mentality has just been terrible. Like we were texting a while back about this and like we talk about culture, culture, culture. And my comment was like, our culture seems broken and it has for a while. So to me that was like, and still is honestly concerning. Um, Like we were winning all these games. Our fourth quarter offense has just been a disaster. It's like, we're not stepping on anyone, anyone's throats. Like the Grizzlies that I know and love, we haven't been that team for weeks. So, in these last 25 games, if we come out and kind of show to me that, like, we are that team of old, we are the fun, energetic, um, I don't remember what game we were playing, I think it was, like, right before the all I think it was Utah, honestly, in, like, the first half, where we, like, making shots, and everyone's like, we're playing with so much joy, and then the second half, what happens, just the wheels fall off. That is happening so often, it's hard not to ignore it. It's hard not for me to be like, I'm just going to ignore this. 15 game stretch because I don't like it and I'm going to look back at what happened in November that was super fun you know like I do think there are trends and I think sometimes trends good and bad can be hard to break in the NBA like if you're rolling I think you're just rolling and then sometimes when you're not you're not Um, and as of late we're not and 25 games is not a huge sample but I think it is enough to right the ship a little bit Um, but I, I mean I've been discouraged for for quite some time so I I think I would just say that there were during the stretch, I remember our we you know, this was when we did John, uh Ty and I were great graciously welcomed onto a guest appearance on the weekend appearance at Ty's house and we were looking at the upcoming schedule. We were kinda like, you know what, like this is a stretch where we need to take care of business. Like this is a a business set of games and you know, there were a couple in there that you knew could be tough, but there were others that was like, we need to win these. You had back-to-back against the Spurs, I believe. And that's what I felt like we took care of business. And so that was good. 
and there were games earlier in the season where I just feel like we were we maybe had some circumstances that inflated our win totals a little bit. Um, and so I think that, you know, we've come back down to earth a little bit and that's, and that the coming back down to earth side of it isn't what's making me disheartened as much as it's just the way we're winning and losing. And I, you know, I think that can be fixed with a break and, um, and with some key role players stepping up and doing some different things, I, I just don't think that those that right now that the uh, the previous role players that we were counting on to help are going to help. So I really think we need big minutes from Luke Kennard. I really think that we've got to figure out how to not be so dependent on Steven Adams. And I really think we probably still need one more one more role player to be more consistent for us to come back to where it doesn't feel like it's all on Josh's shoulders. Like I just there are years during the Conley era where I just at times or the Zebo era where I was like if if one of if, if Zebo doesn't give us thirty, then we don't have a shot. Sometimes that's what I feel like with Ja, is that like it's just really all on his shoulders and he's doing a lot. And then he's kind of getting into this like slumping over his shoulders thing. And his his demeanor does not seem really great to me, so I don't really know what's going on with him. And I just think it's exacerbating it across everything else. And, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm just really skeptical it's going to change. I, I don't know what data that I would see – on the court, heuristically, intuitional data, not cleaning the glass data, that would say that it's going to be any different. Because the Jazz game, again, it was before the All-Star game, but that was a team we should have just, like, we, we came out hot and we, we looked great, and then we just brain farted. Here's my feeling on everything right now. I think kind of in our local, I guess you could say, bubble it's hard not to feel like something's off. And I do think it is. I think the players feel it, and they're young enough to where it's going to make a, an impact. And I think there's mainly two because we've watched every game. We know the highs that this team has reached. But the con to me is also the pro in that the con is, to me, this is still, even with the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving moves, Like I still see the West as relatively open. Because I was like looking through the last 10 game records, like the best two last 10 game records are the Nuggets and the Suns at seven and three. And then it drops down from there to like six and four and five and five. Everybody else is like in that window. You look at away record, the best away record in the West is the Clippers at 18 and 15. The second best is the Kings at 15 and 13. The third best is the Nuggets at 14 and 14. So, like, the con of it is the team as they were playing prior to this weird last three, three, four weeks was good enough to potentially come out of a weaker West. The pro of it is this team after three to four weeks of struggle is in this position to where if they decide to change things and to actually play with the joy that they've been playing with, they haven't completely given up their chance to like at least make an impact and put themselves in a position That's in right. the playoffs. I'm with you there. So like 
that to me is, you know, we judge, we, we, each season is judged individually. And while I don't believe like, like any Western conference team that's going to come out of the West with compete with any all time Western conference teams, we can only play the season that you're in. So like, that's where I am. I am right now where I think we could look back and say, we blew an opportunity in a, in a year where there weren't any dominant teams, but we haven't yet. And it's still in front of us. So that's, that's where I am personally. Yeah. So on that, what would you say our chances are to hold the two seed? I think right now looking at the schedule, technically I read somewhere, maybe it was like tankathon. We're like 24th strength of schedule. Um, a lot of that is because we're playing some of the bottom teams in the West a bunch. Um, I would give it at like a above 50% chance that we keep the two seed. I think before our four and six in the last 10 games, it would have been like up to 70 plus. But I think that if we get Adams back sooner rather than later, it's going to be um, above 50%. And I, I think part of that would be the Kings going potentially down and regressing a bit. And, and they have one of the hardest schedules, I believe, left. Um, we're still four games between us and the Clippers through the Clippers of the four seed. So I think that's enough of a, of a cushion. And we forget, we used to think all-star break means, you know, 60% of the way through the season. Now it's 70%, given that they've pushed it back because of NFL. So like 25 games left in the NBA season, that's not a lot. So... Movement to me is going to be because the West is so crowded in like the four through 11, like you could see crazy movement within that. I think the Grizzlies are just outside of that window. So I'll say it this way. I I will feel like the primary objective to me, like I want to get, get maintain the two seed, but like going into the playoffs, I'm going to feel better if intuitionally it feels like we're playing collectively like the fun loose not droopy shoulder Andrew Harrison face on like half of our team which is what I feel like right now and this is this is just pure like being at your feelings pure feeling watching the team watching how they're reacting it just it doesn't have the same vibe so objectively that's like the the objective that I would care more about is the vibe I will feel great going into a series against whomever it is if I feel like our vibe is back because we because to crass point this entire season we have home court but if we if we keep the two seed somehow by some miracle and our vibe is still off I'm gonna feel crappy yeah um so like I think you know I could so I've done it before I've done the fundamental thing like I still look and think we still have a great net rating. We actually, unlike all the all our peers in the West, we actually should have won more games. Luckwise, like we've lost a lot of coin toss games, and some people, you know, and obviously we talked about this the last couple Grizzden pods that I'm nervous because it does feel like we're a little less clutch uh, than we have been in the past. Uh, but I also think it might just be that we've regressed to the mean, whereas we did really well in the clutch the last couple of years, and now we're having a bad clutch here. But uh, as far as coin toss games and close games, I still look at it as. Uh, we became villains over Christmas to find the West. I think that got to our team. Um, I think we got in a funk and then we got out of it maybe because of an easy schedule, but we won 11 in a row. And then we had the weird Lakers thing uh, that I think brought us back to that villain 
feeling, you know, this is my narrative to talk about Brantley's vibe stuff. Uh, and then we were weird. And then I think that didn't really wake us up. I think we partied in Dylan's played a terrible first half with the Suns, made a great comeback, um, you know, to only lose by two. So we lost two games that both of whom I think if we'd been a little more clutch, we would have won. They were coin toss losses. But the biggest loss, obviously, in that Suns game was not just losing by two, but losing Steven Adams. And for whatever reason, that I think has led to weird vibes. And um, and it probably is true, uh, as you know, Ty mentioned, that it is weird to be dependent on Adams like we are. Um, I think that the combo of the villain vibes, uh, the weird vibes, people hating us, all the weird jaw stuff, combined with Adams not being on the court, I think has really affected us. And I think that is a lot of the bad vibes. And so for me, um, you know, I'm still going to have my optimistic because the fundamentals, I still feel, I, I think too, looking the schedule that I think, and we might just barely, but I think we're going to hang on to the two seed. Uh, and so at the end of the day, we have an amazing home record. And so I feel we'll feel pretty confident in the playoffs if we have a two seed, but I am very much looking for, um, outside the fundamental stuff, like I will say my, my optimism, you know, will be if we don't look like what Brantley's saying, if we don't kind of get our swagger back in a sense, uh, if we don't like, like asking to win it at Philadelphia coming up on Thursday, that is a tough ask. Philly's basically the hottest team in the NBA right now. Um, winning at, uh, Philly, we, we don't do that anyway. We struggle with that just even, you know, even when Philly's not good. Uh, but I, I, if we come out and like lay some kind of egg or don't look like ourselves against Denver and against LA, I mean, I think I will begin to start to um, float more to maybe the pessimism of a lot of fans. Um, I don't think we're going to do that. I think we're going to come out. I think we're going to beat Denver Saturday and I think we're going to beat LA Tuesday. And I think we're going to kind of get that swagger back a little bit because I think, I think the, the atoms, the weird vibes. And I just think we're a team that was just, can we just get to the all-star break? Can we just get to the all-star break? So I just feel like I'm expecting a lot post all-star break. And so I think even my silver lining Pollyanna optimism, if we come out and really struggle and look bad in the next few games, I do think I will begin to wonder um, uh, and then definitely expect some kind of pretty big shakeup in the summer. But I think we're going to be good. So that's, I still have the positive outlook. Yeah. I mean, that's an encourage. Well, not, I, it's an interesting part of it is like we're a young team. I feel like this is the first time we've really, as a collective unit, been punched in the mouth, right? Like this construction of our team, Jaws, the superstar, Bane, Jaron, playing the roles they are. Like this is the first time we've ever really, even Jenkins, honestly, has ever been hit with like um, like a tough stretch, I guess. Um. So it's going to be really interesting how we handle it. That's one thing I'm like really interested in seeing is we bit, we just got punched in the mouth league-wide, nationally. Everyone's down on us. We talk too much. We're not good anymore. All this kind of stuff. Everyone expects us to fall off. We have the same old problems. Um, so now I'm really curious to see what it looks like when our backs are up against the wall and how we respond moving forward. And, like, playing that against, like, this is the first time we've truly hit adversity. That goes to show how young and immature this team is as a group. 
And I always have to try to remember that. It's like we're the third youngest team in the NBA. Like last year, the narrative was like everything right now is gravy, right? Like look at this development. We've made, we're so ahead, ahead of schedule. Ahead of, everyone kept saying that last year. I don't know really if like the expectations should have changed that much. I kind of go back and forth on it because like we are still so young. All of our best players are still really, really young. Like we're all developing. We're getting hit with different sets of adversity. We're going through different struggles. Like, you know, what do we look like on the, coming out on the other side of that? But then also it's like, maybe we are just that good and maybe my expectations should be that high because we have proven that we can get there. Um, so it's kind of hard to like kind of toggle between those two things. Um, so I'm trying to also keep that in mind. It's like, maybe my expectations are too high because like where we are as you know, the lifespan and timeline of this, this team and these players that we have. But then the other half of me is like, but we talk about such a big game and we clearly view ourselves as being like true contenders right now. And we, you know, push the Warriors last year to six people. I mean, I think if we would have been really healthy, who knows what would have happened there. It almost feels like feels feels like we've regressed a little bit since then, but maybe that's just, again, recency bias playing into it. But I think the bottom line is, like, we now, like, have an opportunity to, re- like, Will, you were saying, the West is open still. Um, we have an opportunity to, like, even if we go down, let's go down, like, fighting like crazy, Right. Let's do everything we can in our power to make as big of a run as we can, not just for the rest of the season, but into the playoffs. Let's, like, come together as a unit. Like, Jenkins even mentioned that of, like, we kind of talk a big game. Like, I don't want to back off that either. Jenkins was like, I want us to be ourselves. Like, if we're going to talk, let's talk. But we got to back it up, right? Like, if we're going to be this team, like, ain't ducking no smoke, running up the chimney – that's awesome. Like, I'm all for that, but that's what we have to be. We can't be, like, falling back from that. Um, and that plays into the vibes like y'all were talking about earlier, too. Like, it all it all matters. It all kind of comes together. So, I'll just – I'm really curious to see the first time, again, this team has truly hit adversity. So, let's see what happens next. Two things. Number one, Tyus Jones just had his second kid. I think that's probably part of the slump. Professional athletes, if you look at the data, after they have a kid, they all of a sudden start playing like crazy. That's why Fred Van Vliet in the playoffs a few years ago in Toronto won. You look, he had a kid and went on a tear. So, Tyus, that's, I mean, I think he's back officially. He needs the bump. Number two. Trade value list, not aging (laughs) well for Brantley. Yeah. On a more serious note, I think that when you look back and I like the comparison that we make often to the Warriors team in like 2015, because I think our personalities and the way our team is built mirror them in a lot of ways. Like we go how Ja goes, the Warriors went how Steph goes. Like whenever he's on the floor, he's making everybody better. But ultimately people are going to start to game plan against that and make everybody else beat you. You have a guy like Jaron who does something, you know, he's dominant defensively. Draymond's dominant defensively. They both had a weakness. Draymond, it's his hot-headedness. Jaron, it's the fouling. Like, they both have that weakness. And then there's the X factor, which is Clay. And Clay can either win you a game or he can be non-existent. But no matter what, I think that right now, today, there is a leadership opportunity for Desmond Bain in particular. 
He's got a contract extension that he's due for this summer. This is the time to make a push to say, I am this max player. And not only am I a max player on the floor, but I'm a max player in this locker room. And I think that Ja has had some weird moodiness lately. I think that Jaron is always going to be hampered by this this kind of thorn in his side, if you will. And despite his like political stuff going on with the PA and everything that we talked about and defensive player of the year potential, like Desmond Bain to me has an opportunity here to provide a consistent normalcy and a leadership voice. And you look at the ages of our team, like Desmond Bain was drafted as a, after his senior year, like he's one of the oldest guys on the team. And we, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I would like to see him in particular play a more active role in riding the ship on a night-to-night basis. And I'd like to see him talk more because I think he's respected. And I think that he actually has the skills to back it up without the distractions around it. So that's one thing I'll be watching for. Yeah, I love that point. If I'd love I'd love for the next J.J. Redick interview he does, instead of him answering Dylan Brooks is the heartbeat, he's the heartbeat. 100%. Because Dylan is too erratic. Like too he erratic can't be and the he's heartbeat. He's going to be gone in right. two years. Well, right. I mean, to, to that, I mean, that's another point for me, which is still crazy to think about because it seems like, I mean, I, and 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 this isn't an excuse because like all the teams deal with injuries, but it is really crazy that we we've only played eleven games with our actual starting five, and when we've played fifty five, so that's you know what twenty percent. I'm trying to do math in my head, so uh, so that's a very small amount of, and I think. And really where I think that's the most key is with the Dylan part. Because I think, you know, and we always talk about it. It seems like we never can. Can we get our starting five playing ten games in a row where we can get Dylan doing the right role? Um, and, you know, and I'm hoping, the other thing I'm hoping is, because I agree, I think Bain's the, really the key. I also hope that this this time with Adams out and Jaron's kind of new aggression that he's shown where he's putting up more, he's putting up 20 point points plus a game. I want that to hopefully continue. Can he, can he kind of keep that aggression with Adams coming back into the fold? Can, can Jaren really bring uh, that element? Because I think that would be really helpful too. That's it. Because I think Jaron and Bain as I mean, in a weird way, they both really determine Dylan in the sense that are they aggressively getting shots that Dylan is not having um, and, and really pushing Dylan to concentrate just on the defensive end. I think that's a big, a big part. All right. We're going to finish out the pod with a game. Okay. We're going to go through the Western conference teams and we're going to say, would you take the Grizzlies in the seven game series against these teams? Okay. We're going to start from the bottom and go to the top. And I'm talking about teams that are not in tanking condition. Uh, Are we going to act like the contention. Lakers might be there? Well, I for fun, I was. Uh, because you have a 13-game difference between the 13th seed and the 14th seed in the West right now. Are Spurs, we assuming health? Um, let's assume reasonable health. So, for instance, we're going to assume Zion is not there. Uh, but <laughs> for most other people, we will assume that they are. Um, That's an interesting thing with the Suns, though. Uh, yeah, listen, you can factor that in. You can price in the percentage of, of health if you want. Um, we're going to do this rapid fire. So I'm going to say the team, and then we're each going to go around and just say whether we take the Grizzlies or that team. 
and you can give a reason if you want, but we don't have to spend too long on each one. Lakers. No. Really? You're taking the Grizzlies or the Lakers? Lakers. I think I'm taking the Grizz in that one. Sweep by the Grizz. I will also take the Grizzlies in five. So I'm assuming healthy LeBron and AD, by the way. Actually, I take that back. So, yeah, I, I, I hate the Lakers, so it made me say sweep. But LeBron's good enough for one win, so five. Malik Beasley, Grizz killer. Um, Trailblazers. I'll go first. Yeah, we. I, I would take us. Take the Grizz, yes. Me too. That's a sweep by the Grizzlies. I am less worried about the Blazers than the Lakers. I'll Agreed. say that. Um, Utah Jazz. Yeah. I, t- I take the Grizzlies in that yeah. one. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Look how op- optimistic I'm being. Oklahoma City <laughs> Thunder. The Jazz. The Jazz are tank. The Jazz are yeah. about to be with the Rockets and the Spurs. I think. But. Yeah. The Jazz got worse, for sure. Thunder. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think yep. Grizz in five. Yeah. I'd say five too. Golden State Warriors at 29 and 29. Right now in the nine seed, uh, they'd have to win two games to make the playoffs this, if the season ended today. We'll go in reverse order. Kraft, what do you think? Uh, Grizz in seven. We we uh, put them down. Uh, RIP Warriors for now. Uh, for, I mean, for like now and all time. Who? Put them down. We, we, they, we bury them. Put them down and take we their pick. We bury them. They freak out, and then we also tell them that we have their draft pick next year. Man, this is the fun one. This is the one that I honestly, gun to my head, I would probably say we lose. Um, which is funny because before last year's playoffs and even before the two games this year, which I know those weren't great, maybe representations, but we were like the Warriors killers. Like, everyone's like, wow, Grizz, what a great matchup against the Warriors. Like, they're going to have their number, the way they play, all that kind of stuff. But I think the narrative now, and maybe that's eating at me, maybe that is, you know, persuading me a little too much. But I'm kind of at the point where I'd kind of have to see it to believe it in a seven-game series. If it was one game, like a play-in, who knows. But for a seven-gamer, I'm going to have to see it before I I believe it. Mm. Uh, Assuming Steph is healthy – I'm taking the Warriors. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Grizzlies in seven. Love it, love it. But only because to me, they are so ready to exercise these demons of the Warriors that they would honestly go into this series and no matter how dead they've been, like they would wake up for it. Well, we play them two more times. And the last two times we played them this year, we got routed on Christmas without a lot of their players. And then the second time, we lose again. I know it was like a heartbreak. But, but we were up by like, 10 with four minutes left. I think both of those back. were in San Francisco, though, right? That's true. So, like, I want to see them at home. If you told me right now but you're, this is the series, then I'm saying Grizzlies and stuff. Your point of, like, oh, we're going to get up for it, we're going to get up for it. Like, how, I mean, Christmas Day against the Warriors, like, to me, if there's ever a game to get up for it's that one, Josh, you, all Listen, that kind of stuff, and we just laid an absolute Right, hit. but that's so. not what the playoffs would be. We've had that behind us. Like we're, We have that built in. It's so. scar tissue to say well, this is not going to happen again. I, I hope so. This is one of my magic. This city is not going to let us lose a home game to the Warriors. <laughs> that, that FedEx forum will – the Warriors cannot beat us in FedEx forum. It will burn the to the ground before like, they, is, before they is, beat This us. is the Memphis – Fan magic I'd rather play them first round. Yeah. 
I, I for real. Agreed. I'd rather play. Don't them, let them get any momentum. I'd in the rather playoffs. play them first round versus like pl- get like having to beat like the. I don't know the Mavericks or the Pelicans in the first round, and then play them. Second well, it's round. it's it would be a it's a big series because it, I mean devastation if we lose it, but if we win it, I actually think that gives us so much confidence. That's very. For the next it's like rounds. the getting over the hump playoff win. That's like the Grizzlies have arrived officially. But I don't if if we face them first round of the playoffs, I will be petrified. Me and too. I don't, and I do, I like, no sleep there is weeks. nothing yeah. that we have seen yet again that would make me feel confident in general about beating them. They like, they're just going to figure out a way to win. But James Wiseman is no longer. Uh, Divincenzo <laughs> may be a better like role player <laughs> Gary than Payton, Otto Porter I will was. Say, and they Gary got Payton's GP3 healthy. back. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you know, Gary um, Payton. They're going to figure it out. Although Gary he Payton. might not be back by then. Quick that's true. Look, like he, that's actually another reason to play the Warriors early, honestly. Yeah. Because I think Gary Payton will probably be back by the second Gary Payton would be the sure. oldest player on our roster. <laughs> which is wild to I love think that. about. Uh, okay, Timberwolves. Uh, I mean, this makes me a little nervous, too. Um, I think we would win, though. I think Gobert's drop coverage, Josh just, like, licking his lips. And I think he would just – what happened last year against them would flip, I think, this year. I think Josh would just go nuts. They don't have Malik Beasley, man. I'm not That's worried true. about him. Beasley. He's a hater. He scared the sh- Or Jared Vanderbilt. Or Jared Vanderbilt. But, like, I don't know. I'm not – if Kyle Anderson were to beat us from making threes in the corner, then, like, we just – that. Carl well, Anthony would, Towns officially does not scare me anymore. I would take I'd take the Grizzlies. That's the other one. thing is they're, they're, it's been weird because I I mean you know they've actually we've looked the best against them in the last two weeks. Uh, that was a it, fun game. That was, a, that that was, was a, like our one swagger game. back game Brought in the back last some like joy. three weeks. I think I mean one is they were terrible with Cat, and so they've actually found themselves a little bit uh, without Cat, and so I, like part of me just wants to see when he if and when he gets back. What does that look like? Now Kyle Anderson's not starting anymore. That's going to be weird for them. I mean, I think it is a series where Anthony Edwards freaks us out. He's, he like might have a 50-point game, but I think we pretty easily. I, I would say five, five, six games. We I'm not as scared. With their role players different this year, I'm not as scared. Now, I would hate to see Conley beat us a couple times, like once or twice, but I don't think he can. He can't guard Ja. Like – he jaw cooked Conley right. in that game. I mean, it's just like it felt bad, but he cooked him. And 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 just like that game, Edwards, what they need from Anthony Edwards on offense, he cannot guard Jaw four quarters. Nope. They don't have a Pat Bev. They don't. They don't have somebody else to guard Jaw. Um, you know, and even then, they did have like Pat Bev and and Bain went off that series. And so I just think I just think uh you know, and I don't think we'll mess around. I think we messed around in the playoffs last year with them. I don't think they know who they are yeah. yet. And so I, I would feel very they much don't, Yeah, they don't know how to, like, if they play Gobert, the again, the way they played us last year is not possible. Yeah, Every right. time Ja came off a, a pick and roll, they just blitzed him or doubled or like get the ball out of his hands. And now this last game, like they were playing, we would just put Gobert in the pick and roll, and he was sitting basically under the basket. And Jaw was like, "I can do this and all now." Night. We have so I'll just come off the screen like, and like honestly, so especially not, when you have Stephen Adams screening, like good luck Anthony Edwards getting around that screen. So you know what I mean, so not to steal the platform from you, but I'm interested for y'all's three because I actually think, I mean, I think 
that's probably the seven, eight game is Warriors T Wolves. So what, you know, with what we talked about, who would you rat? Like if, if we're sitting watching a play in game together between the Wolves, T Wolves, oh, I'm rooting for the Wolves. Yeah. hundred percent. No okay. There's no Me question. Too. Okay. Like okay. even though it would because be fun love to for play the Warriors, the Warriors to have to play the Nuggets. I'll okay. say this: Golden State scares me pretty much more than any other team I'm looking at right now. Maybe Phoenix, if like Durant comes back and is like, "Oh my gosh, what is this?" But he's Kevin Durant. He's gonna come back, and you're gonna be like, "Oh my gosh, what probably is so." This? But uh, Pelicans. Anybody taking Pelicans in no, that series? Get that poverty ass franchise out. That's of here. what I thought. About no. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah. They're looking terrible. Mavericks. <laughs> no, I think I think we beat I think we beat Dallas. Dude, they're they're. I, I'm freaking out if I'm a Mavs fan. Grizz Grizz maybe in a sweep. Luca and his behavior and what's ha- I mean I just would be freaking out. Jazzy. I, I will say this. I think. What's going to be, you know, as as a Mavs hater, uh, they have the easiest schedule. I think it's like by far the easiest schedule the rest of the way. They're actually the one of the teams I'm just worried will like get on a heater if we struggle. Um, but you know, so they have a really easy schedule. So I think they might people might start to get a lofty view, and I think the playoffs will be a big um, wake up moment. Mavs inflation, yeah, forthcoming. Uh, Maxi Kleba's been injured, so you know, I haven't. I'm not because once they have him, then they got their rim protection. That's exactly, all they need. right? Um, all right. Phoenix so, Suns. This is an interesting one. They're 32 and 28, the fifth seed. Um, they are four and a half games back from the Grizzlies. Um, what do y'all think? You cannot write off this team. You can't. You can't. If, if, if we're assuming health, which means Katie always has an injury like this, but he comes back in the playoffs and he's fine, they are, ter- they are more terrifying than any team in the West. There's no question. I mean, it's just terrifying. They have a lot of different so, so ways like, they can beat you off. If we're playing them, Dylan's guarding KD and Bane's guarding Booker. Whew, no or, thanks. Or Jaren's guarding KD. Yeah, right, for four minutes until he gets in foul trouble. The good news is, is that Aiton and Steve-O can be, you know, opposite forces in that respect. But um, this one would be so intriguing. I think just from like pure respect alone, I would take Phoenix in this series if I had to right now. But that's without having seen a game that they played together. So, and assuming health, like it's I think casting, this is yeah. the big health assumption team. I'm I so my take would be if it's not the first round, I would take Grizz in seven probably, um, maybe six. Um, if it's first round, I'm way more nervous because I think they're going to be more healthy. Um, and you're going to get those like two, three days in a row. But if we get them in sec, if we get, if, if, if they kind of stay away from the seven seed, we keep the two, we have home court and we're playing every other day. I think, I think we beat them. I think they don't, I, I, I look at the Nets team we played with Irving and Durant where we won that game by kind of outscoring them. And obviously Booker is better than Kyrie and Chris Paul obviously is better than anybody else the Nets had. But we were also like without Jaron then, so I I think that it would be a high scoring. I don't think we would be able to stop Durant, but Durant can't score 110 points. So I think I think we'd pull it out. I think we would lose that series, but I still feel like I'm more afraid of Steph than I am Durant in a playoff series. I really do. Yeah. Steph uh, just absolutely terrifies me. This one to me is the most intriguing. It's the Clippers. 
because they technically, I mean, I do think that the moves they made were upgrades on what they did have. And they just added Russell Westbrook. That makes me feel better in a series. So I think I actually would take Grizzlies in seven over the Clippers. Personally. I would uh I would take the clips in that one. I think they could throw out a lineup that basically everyone's like six eight and we would try to run like our pick and rolls and they would just switch it pretty comfortably. Um and they would make us hit shots because that's just that's what I think that's what every team's gonna do, but they especially they would just switch guard jaw straight up and then help on his drives and then make people make shots and we've yet prove we can do that so and they can everybody on their team can make shots so luke Kennard revenge game though come on yeah nah, I, mean, I say we lose Kawhi is like quietly look like starting to get back into rhythm uh man this would be a really tough one i mean this is also one of those right now where it's like almost like six weeks ago you'd be like Kawhi is not really playing so i would take us but now he's kind of come back a little bit and it's almost like he's just gonna kind of rise from the dead for the playoffs, you know. I'm the most on the fence about this one out know. of anybody. No, I haven't gone yet. Go ahead. Sweep Grizzlies, not even close. <laughs> it's, it would be the easiest. I would rather play the Clippers than that. I'm assuming. I w- I don't think I would want to play the Clippers in the first round. I don't think they're gonna fall back to the seven because they just kind of have enough dudes to win regular season games. Um. They're the most team I would want to see in the playoffs. I would feel, I would like sleep easy. I would be, uh, I'd maybe even be selling my tickets for some good profit, knowing that we're going to the next round. I have plenty of time to see the Grizzlies. Uh, the Clippers, total fraud team. Uh, expect them to flame out. Have zero faith in them. They just added another fraud player. They're terrible. We would sweep them. Or maybe, maybe Kawhi or Paul George would have a moment and we'd, we'd it'd take five. They're terrible. They're the most fraud team. Yeah, I I think There's they're the, I think they're the anti Grizzlies, but I also trust that they would I, I honestly it's the coaching combined with assuming health. Because again, like you can't assume health with you these can't guys. With them. That's the point though. So And I just think we have I, I think Jaron Brandon, we have the five wing switch around the, we just Nobody can do anything with us. Like we just would destroy those lineups. We are the the anti Jazz Gobert teams. Like they won't have any. They won't. They will not score ninety points on us in a game if we play them. I now I will. This. I will. If like and honestly, even if they beat us once in these games coming up, once I still will feel this way. Um, I expect to. I expect to look really good against the Clippers these next this next month. I will totally eat crow if I don't. By the way, but Does, I expect. I expect for us to go to L.A. and destroy the Clippers. Two more Kings. Anybody taking Kings? No, no. Grizz all the way. Nuggets. As long as Harrison Barnes doesn't go nine for nine, we'll be okay. Nuggets. I will take the Nuggets because of their home court advantage. I think we ter- play terribly in Denver, and I think that Jokic is crazy. And so I would be very nervous to play them because I think they put something together this year. So I'll um, take Nuggets. Yeah, me too. Nuggets are the only one I'm on a fence about, honestly. Um, 
Nuggets and Suns. Suns, I think, could. I just don't think they'll be healthy. Nuggets, same way. I, I actually think so. If if it holds, we wouldn't play them until the NBA, uh, until the Western Conference Finals. I would be very interested to see if their team holds up. Um, obviously, Jokic holds up always. Uh, but that I would look be looking at that. Uh, but I would say that would be the one team. I mean, even before the year when I was cr- saying we were going to be one in the West and stuff, um, which I still am ho- small holding out hope for that. But uh, the Nuggets were always the team that threatened me. Five games to make five it up. Five games. No big deal. We're going to go 20 nothing. and five. They're going to go 15 and 10. And we're going to have the tiebreaker because we're going to beat them twice. You wanna, so, yeah. But all that said is, it, I mean, so my heart says Grizzlies in six. My head says Nuggets in seven. Um, I would say that I am hoping that, my, that I am cheering for the Nuggets to wind up playing Suns, Warriors, uh, Clippers that they're they're going to play a team that offers a weird matchup for them, and so that will be in the Western Conference Finals playing not them. So that's that's my hope. As as it currently stands, if the season ended today, our half of the Western Conference bracket would feature the Pelicans, the Kings, and the Mavericks. That's ideal. That's not bad. That's yeah. what we want. And the Nuggets side would feature the Nuggets, Clippers, Suns, and Timberwolves. That's assuming the 7th and 8th seeds would make it out of the play in which you have the Warriors in the ninth seed. So, Yeah, I mean, I think the hard part to know, too, is, I mean, Durant's not back from any injury. Curry's not back. Um, and so it, it's going to be weird. I mean, I, you know, I mean, that's what's so hard is to know. Yeah, what's going to happen? Because a lot of these teams were expecting. Like, I think the teams that we think will give the Grizzlies the hardest time are the ones who have superstars that are like not currently playing. I think that's accurate. Um, all right. Well, this has been another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. We covered a lot of grounds here. We are ready for basketball to be back. Tune in on Thursday night, where we're not sure if we'll see the return of Stephen Adams on that game. We are looking and anticipating for his return soon and we got 25 games left guys got let's have fun Chris the playoffs have are going to be fun. here before we know it let's have some come fun come on make time on believers again believers yes that's believers. right convince us Chris look right. for those vibes Saturday night I want to smile when I watch the games absolutely for Ty for Brantley for Kraft I'm Will thanks for joining us <laughs>